All right, we're live here with uh, Fernando and Ethan. Ethan is our co-host. I'm the host of the Crypto Mining Podcast, uh, Crypto Mining Tools Podcast. And uh, Ethan, why don't you go ahead and introduce? Yeah, hey everybody. I'd like to introduce our guest today, um, Fernando Rivero. He is uh, co-founder of Mining Disrupt. Um, Fernando, can you tell us a little bit, like you know, how you fit in the whole world of crypto? Tell tell the audience. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I've been in the uh, crypto game for a couple of years. Uh, started trading crypto in 2009 and uh, noticed that there was a gap in um, in education of crypto. There was a there was a mystic field towards blockchain, cryptocurrency, and and Bitcoin. So we started hosting events and uh, eventually landed on Mining Disrupt, which was one of the or the largest mining conference for 2019. And um, our goal is to educate and make connections as much as possible between people in our network and people that come to our events. So um, that's what we're looking to do and continue to do. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I went to the Mining Disrupt, the very first one last year, and it was amazing, um, honestly. And, and this isn't an ad. It's not a commercial. But uh, it was exactly who I wanted to be talking to uh, as a, an ASIC mining equipment broker myself, uh, all of my customers were there, all of my prospects, all of my vendors. Uh, and it was, it was just amazing for me personally. Yeah. I can't wait to go myself. So I, I'm looking forward to, to go into the next one. Yeah. So Fernando, yeah. um, what else, what else do you do uh, other than that, that event? Right. So, um, Black Tech Network is one of the co-founders of Mining Disrupt, the company that I, I, I co-own. Uh, we host monthly events in multiple cities as well as multiple countries. And what we're trying to do is we host free events as well as paid events, trying to educate people around cryptocurrency, blockchain and mining. It's kind of all encompassing. Um, we use those events in uh, most of the events are in Shenzhen, Miami, New York, Atlanta. Um, we also have some events in Venezuela and, and other countries, but we use those events to bring awareness to, to other conferences or events that we're doing. So, for example, this Saturday, we do have a tokenized art event that we will be um, hosting at the One Hotel in South Beach. And then January is actually a very big month for Miami. We've got the Washington Elite Conference that's going to be coming down, which is big from a uh, AI blockchain perspective that's going to be hosted by uh, Bruce Porter and, and Washington elite folks. And uh, we also have the North American Bitcoin conference that's going to be going on that same week. That is pretty much a staple for blockchain and Bitcoin. A bunch of people are going to be there. Everybody, it's going to be a who's who of, of folks. So those aren't necessarily our events. We co-work with those with those uh, conferences to bring awareness to their event. We host events around that and try and host uh, workshops as well. So anything that we can do to bring awareness to mining, crypto, trading, anything along those lines is really our niche. And uh, hopefully we can start expanding that into um, different types of blockchain specific businesses. Now, now Fernando, you are involved with educating um, people about crypto, correct? Correct. Okay. So is there just one thing, like if, if let's just say I, I know nothing about crypto, but there's just one thing that everybody in the world should know or needs to know, what would that be? It's a tough question. <laughs> um, to answer it in one word, I would say the decentralization of it. 
Um, I know it's very difficult to explain, but the fact that it's decentralized to me is one of the, uh, the, the highest values that are there. I know people speak about, or folks speak about the security around it and the speed, right. but I personally like the decentralization of, of the currency. I recently had a, a check that I cashed to my bank. It was a, a cashed check and they held the funds for about two weeks where they said, we just, it's our normal process. You can't have the funds, you can't have the money and it just drove me nuts, right? So that's something that wouldn't happen with crypto. I, I think the concept of decentralization is something that it's difficult to comprehend from a yeah. non-technical person, but once you get it, it definitely has value. So I would say teaching and understanding the decentralization around blockchain is, is vital. And, mm -hmm. and probably one of the most important questions they get. And, and the most common question I get really is, what is Bitcoin? But right. <laughs> either that or, yeah. or actually that's a lie. The most common question I get is what, what money, my, my, yeah, what money do I put into or what crypto? Which one do I buy? Purchase? Yeah. <laughs> what's, right. what's the next big boom? And, and well, the answer to that is if I knew the question, if I knew the answer to that question, I probably wouldn't be speaking to you at this moment in time. I'd probably be purchasing it and investing in it. So um, it's definitely something that's nobody knows the answer to that, I don't think. And and mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the most important thing to learn really around cryptocurrency is the decentralization. Yeah, you know, uh, Ethan and I were in Las Vegas recently. We went to the... Um, the, the world CryptoCon there. And we, every time we got in an Uber, what we try to do is uh, ask them, ask the Uber driver <laughs> yeah. about, uh, you know, <laughs> did they know what Bitcoin is and all that? And, you know, w one of our Uber drivers was um, a, a little shy. You know, he didn't want to be preached at. He didn't want to be roped into some, you know, MLM scam. But um, yeah, it, one of our drivers in particular was like Bitcoin, but I had, haven't heard of that before. You know, and that was so, yeah. so crazy to, to think that, you know, like we, us guys were so deep into this that we wouldn't even give that a second thought. But to, to think that some people right in our, our own backyards haven't even heard of the word Bitcoin before, you know, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, especially with it going on like all week, you would think they would have crossed paths with somebody in Vegas that would have, right. you know, told them before us. <laughs> yeah, at some point, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so what do you do, Fernando, to to help people learn? Have you found any like effective tools or effective ways? Do, do you think that people are learning better just through like talks, or are they learning better through, you know, audiovisual presentations, or is it more like a face to face thing? Does it, you know, do people learn better, you know, through human interaction? Like, what what's your take on that? So, what I've found from our events is that there's there's different niches and groups of folks that exist, right? So I went to high school, I've got my buddies, I've got about five to 10 friends that I talk to, and we're constantly talking about things that we know. And mm -hmm. out of my 10 friends, I'm interested in blockchain and crypto, and I want to talk about it, but none of my friends are interested in it. Yeah. So I've found that a lot of our events are people that want to talk about blockchain and crypto, but they don't have anybody to talk to with, ah, or okay. talk about it towards. So yeah. they come to our events, and and like the mix and mingle specifically people come and they just want to talk about blockchain and crypto whether it's the project that they're working on the cryptocurrency they're trading what's the new thing that's out there 
And they actually start learning by teaching. I'll put that in air quotes. So as some folks who are novices and they want to learn about blockchain, they're mm -hmm. there to learn, you know, the decentralization aspect of it or the mining aspect of it. And then the folks that have been in the game, let's say recently, a couple months that they've been doing some research, they start teaching these folks and they start adding towards to, to their bag, let's call it. And okay. then the folks that have been in the game for quite a while, they're going in there specifically to network. So there's usually three different levels of people at our events. It's the people that absolutely know nothing. They're looking to learn. The people that okay. know a little bit to, um, I guess, solidify their education. And then the third one are the folks that have been in the game for years. They're mining, they're trading, they've got everything, maybe a crypto business, and they're looking to network, maybe find funding, things of that nature. So that is also something that we help with. We try and connect individuals with investors. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of like the structure on some of our events. The panels also help. Um, folks love the panels. The only difficulty on the panels is uh, feedback is always mixed. It's either sure, we didn't yeah. deep dive enough or we... We went too deep. <laughs> either we went too deep or we went too uh, too far. So, um, or yeah. yeah, we didn't go deep enough. So it, it's mixed. So what we try and do is we'll host panels and we'll keep a open... Uh, section towards the end for our, our smaller panels and that where individuals mm -hmm. can go up and speak to the speakers and ask those questions that they want to ask. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, particularly with that Mining Disrupt conference, and I, I just I just can't get off that topic, but um, what I enjoyed the most was just meeting other people, um, you know, schmoozing. Uh, <laughs> You know, because on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't really talk to people in the blockchain industry very much. You know, I've, I've got my wife and family and some of my friends. And if I start talking about Bitcoin too much, it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, their eyes glaze over. Um, so it's it's really great to be able to just talk with other like-minded like people. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I um, agree. When, once you get into hash rate, people's eyes start to glaze over. And <laughs> Difficulty, <laughs> hash rate, yeah. Fernando, um, you know, you're currently in Miami right now, correct? Correct. Can you tell nice us, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> can you can you tell us, because, you know, it sounds like you, you organize a lot of events, and so maybe there's a lot of travel involved in your life. What What's your day-to-day -day life like? Oof. So I've decided to not travel for the rest of this year, but... Um, okay, that's just I, two weeks. Fair. I'm definitely uh, platinum status for 2020 already <laughs> for some airlines. <laughs> Uh, I travel, um, let's call it 60% of the time. Um, okay, wow. It's not, it's something that's great in the beginning. Everybody wants to travel, and once you kind of start doing a little bit, it, it, it gets tiring, especially staying oh, yeah. in a hotel when you have family and kids. But, but yeah, we do travel a lot. We try and go to different events. Uh, interesting, this block tech networks. What we do is we, um, we try and find individuals in different states cities that are interesting, interested in networking, 
build we network with these folks to host events with us. So we collaborate, we do events with them, we show them the ropes on how to do the events. And then the goal is for them to transition to lead that chapter. So we have chapters in multiple cities and states, and that's how we do all of our events. So sometimes I travel to these events, which is the bulk of what we do, as well as other conferences. Mm -hmm. We couldn't go to uh, World CryptoCon, but it definitely was one of the events that we wanted to go to. Fernando, that that you know that that's just amazing that you travel so much and uh, you still look so young. You you haven't gone gray like myself. Um, I'd like there, to take this. <laughs> like to take this this moment right now to uh, to say thanks to Nova Block, our sponsors for this episode. Nova Block um, started around four months ago, back in August 2019, and uh, they are now in the top 15 of uh, public pools that are available for, for mining. And, um, you know, they just have a really interesting philosophy that as China moves their hash rate out around the world and decentralizes, they, they wanna be a part of that decentralization um, while at the same time giving their customers transparency and educating them on, you know, what is the best mining pool for, for their needs. And I think they're fantastic. So thank you, NovaBlock. Yeah, and uh, so at the same time, go out to their website, novablock.com, and on the top right corner, there's a sign-up button. If you use the invitation code OFFORD18, that's O-F-F-O-R-D-1-8, you get a permanent reduction in your mining fees down to 1.8% uh, for life. Or if you have uh, a lot of hash power, sign up with them, and you can get even a, a lower rate. So thank you, Novablock. All right, so Fernando, um, tell us, you know, what do you see in the future? Where, where is this going? Like, you know, from your perspective, I mean, you said you've been in this since what, uh, 2009 or, yeah. Yeah, um, so I heard about it first in 09, ended up buying my first Bitcoin, I'd say 2011. Okay, yeah, wow, there. early. Um, yeah, I think it was around a little bit under 500 bucks each one at the time. I started buying at that at that point. Um, Ethereum was around, I believe, super cheap. Should have Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But yeah, I've I've been in the space for quite a while. As far as as where I see it going, um, so right now my stance is that I'm expecting big block. Chain the, the the technology to be used mm -hmm. with folks to not know that it's happening. So it's going to be used, let's say, in third-party systems, um, CRM systems, transferring of data. Um, might even be used in the banking system in the back end, but nobody will know that it's actually being used. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to be the first wave, and then hopefully once people are using it without knowing that it's being used they will start earning a little additional trust towards it and then maybe start using it a little bit more. Um, I am concerned uh, what's gonna happen once the last Bitcoin is mined, right? What, uh, what's gonna happen around validating trades? Um, I think that's gonna be an interesting point in time for cryptocurrency in general. But I do think the first step or the next step is using the technology as a, uh, behind the scenes kind of tech. Um, and then eventually once people trust it, believe 
that understand it and it's not used predominantly for uh, drugs and all that fraudulent, uh, I guess, unlawful things that it was used for in the beginning. Um, once that moniker is gone, I think it's going to be a little bit more mainstream. Do you really feel that that trust is uh, an issue? Um, and like, you know, I I'm just kind of I know a lot of people that have a mistrust for corporations. And so I'm just wondering, like how you're connecting the dots where, you know, corporate adoption to utilize the technology, the blockchain technology for their benefit is somehow going to instill a, a public trust. How, how do you how do you connect those dots? Because, you know, for me, yeah. when you know, I explain Bitcoin and, you know, I show people a dollar bill, you know, I, I tell them, you know, like this, this is just a piece of paper. Technically, it's not a piece of paper. It's actually made out of linen. But, um, you know, like, but you, you trust it has a value and everyone else trusts it has a value. And the, the hardest part, I guess, for people that I talk to, for them to trust is because they can't see it. They can't touch it. They can't feel it. That's why they don't believe in it. And as soon as I set up a wallet for them and I send them some coin and I show them how they can cash it out and how they can put it in their bank account, that's when it all clicks together to them. And that's when they begin to, to trust it like a dollar. Um, I think it's a combination of two different types of trust, if I'm saying that correctly. So for okay. the novice right. user, for the novice user in your in your case, I think it's, I've heard these things about Bitcoin. I don't trust it. But once I make a wallet and I see those transfers being done, then it kind of clicks in my head and I somewhat trust it. That, that, those are some of the users. But then I've also seen the other users that it's not that they don't trust the, the Bitcoin or blockchain or cryptocurrency. They don't trust themselves or they don't believe that they're not going to screw the pooch and lose their private key, uh, send the coin to the wrong wallet. I find that people are, are more nervous to send a transaction because they're not sure if they're going to do it right than anything. Uh, and it's like they don't trust themselves to, to believe that what they're doing is the right way to do it. So when I first sent my $10, 20 $30 worth of uh, Bitcoin to someone, I just wanted to see what it was, like how, right. how it worked. And I was freaking out. And did you send me the right wallet? I copied and pasted the address right. 10 times. and. I tried to check it as many times as possible. I even dropped it in Excel and said, is this equal to that true? Perfect. Um, and then I finally made that trade. And that was years ago. I still do that today sometimes. So I, I think there is a little bit of, I guess, nervousness when it comes to keeping your money on a, in, in your wallet and how to send it, as well as keeping your money on exchanges. Um, some folks yeah like definitely that you got to keep the money on the exchange if i want to trade and then taking it out and putting it back in and the fees around that so i think there's a combination of things there um i personally don't trust you know some of the some of the let's say pools i've always felt like mm -hmm. there's a there's a potential for me to be earning more based on my hash rate and maybe they're just giving me a lower rate i've never known right that was a game or not. I've read some articles back in the day where they said, you know, uh, ASICs were mining more and they were just keeping some of the hash rate for themselves. Oh, yeah. I've heard a bunch of stuff. So I um, that there's a lot of hearsay around blockchain and cryptocurrency, and that's causing a lot of issues around trust. 
Yeah. Um, well, and, and definitely, I think what you're doing with your education and the networking events and, and whatnot um, is, is definitely very helpful to, uh, to bring that trust, you know, um, and to, to even just to bring up those issues and to, to make them live and, and public. Yeah. yeah, one of the things that we like to do when we can for some events is uh, do a raffle at the end where we raffle cryptocurrency. Okay. And we force individuals to get a wallet and receive. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely eye-opening. And sometimes folks do own a wallet. So we'll try and use a cryptocurrency that they don't have. So for example, in, uh, in uh, Coinbase, you log into your Coinbase account, everybody has multiple wallets. You actually don't have an EOS wallet until you make a transaction in Coinbase. So yeah. little things like that, we'll try and send coins that maybe they don't own. Um, some coins require more information. Think of Monero. Um, mm -hmm. So just so they can be familiar with what different coins are doing and, and how to send those trades. The more trades you do, the more comfortable you're going to feel using it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the the first time I, you know, I, I can totally relate with you. The first time I ever did a transaction and I sent Bitcoin, I was sh shaking like a leaf and beads of sweat were coming off. And I was like, should I press, should I press the send button? And, you know, I, it, it, what was, what made it even worse is that I had friends behind me who, you know, they see me as just because you know technology doesn't mean you understand everything about everything. And and a lot of people think I understand everything about everything. And so they're, you know, putting all this weight on me <laughs> to do this transaction yeah. and, and show them how it's done. And so, yeah, it was very nerve wracking. And then even, you know, you get your ledger or treasure uh, involved and that's even another step. You got to press all these buttons and confirm and go back and forth. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I've, I'm and not to plug anything in, but I am working on a, on a project where we're trying to, I guess, bridge the gap on multiple exchanges, something that we can connect all those APIs and use one central location to be able to trade between exchanges. Hopefully that'll increase volume, decrease um, price differentiation, um, eventually eliminate arbitrage opportunities that still exist, but is what it is, which is it's good for the folks that got into that early in the game, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, so Fernando, I'm wondering what what did you do before all of this? What's what's uh, more of your background? So my background is finance. I did do my master's in, in finance. I've always thought that I wanted to do something in numbers. My options were either accounting or finance. And uh, accounting is the money I have and how I got there. Finance is the Money at it. I'm more interested in what I'm going to do in the future than what's happened in the past. So I uh, started right. off in finance, eventually moved into a corporate role. Um, they transitioned me more into a product owner uh, position because I know the, I was very tech savvy as well as uh, understood the system. So I managed a group of developers for quite some time, QA testing, all that jazz. Um, my product was uh, a little bit under 4.8 billion in revenue a year so it was big wow um and then eventually i transitioned out of that and uh into connecting people um i think it's I, i've always been behind the scenes in what i've done as a financial 
financial analyst, crunching numbers, even on the tech side, my, my product at the time was not client facing. It was an internal product that was used to build clients and generate that, those funds. So, um, that revenue. So uh, this has been very interesting for me to be a little bit more client facing and, and engaging individuals. I, I like interacting with folks. I think meeting Scott last year was really interesting. Even at area 31, Inter- that was yeah. going. <laughs> oh, in- in- interesting is a good word. Yeah. I T- Yeah. Tell us your, your Scott story. I want to no. hear how you guys met. No, no. I, <laughs> I tell it better. I- okay. Uh, okay. Scott, you tell it then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when, when uh, I haven't eaten in a long time and my blood sugar gets low, I get a little cranky. This, this, I know he always <laughs> has like a box of raisin with him. Like yeah, he, yeah. he is always like snacking. And that was kind of like F- Fernando's maybe first face-to-face experience with me. I was like, food, I need food. <laughs> Where's the damn food? Yeah. Well, we got him fries. We got him a burger. It was the best fries and burgers he had in Miami. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, we got a burger and fries with your name on it. And I made sure to have a box of raisins, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. start carrying around, like, you know, maybe some mandarin oranges or something like that in case we get an emergency and I'm stuck with Scott. I'm like, here, here, man, yeah, just man. take it. You, you don't you don't want to see me when, I, when I'm getting hungry. Right. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like the Hulk. Yeah. (laughs) So, so Fernando, um, tell us a little bit more uh, of the details about the Mining Disrupt Conference coming up in July. You know, what what can we look forward to? What's going to be different from uh, from last year? Uh, Things like that. So you could definitely look forward to seeing a lot of the same faces, same folks. We want to have all the major distributors like we did last year. We want to have most of the major purchasers as well as manufacturers. Um, we are changing some things this year. So last year we had uh, mining containers in the front with a little bit of a walk to get to them. So we're going to try and make that access a little bit easier so that folks can interact with the containers. We're going to change the format around on the stage. And we're also going to change it from a one-day event to a two-day event. So awesome. Instead yeah, of uh, definitely. Area 31 being the uh, after party, we're going to use that as a the first night's uh, mix and mingle where we'll wrap it up early. Folks can connect after the first day of events, uh, first day of, of speaking. And then day two, we will do the all out party. We go to a lot of conferences. We don't want to give people too much on the first day because we know day two, they're going to be out of it, especially in Miami because there's stuff right. to do all the time. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the goal. Change it to a two day event instead of a one day um trying and uh and increase awareness to a lot of the folks that that have been i guess supporting us uh throughout this year and next year as well and there's been a lot of projects that have come up scott included where uh we definitely want to try and and bring more people to understanding what that is so what i've noticed is from going to different events a lot of the same folks tend to go because they're trying to add more people to their network. So Mm -hmm. what we want to do is we want those folks to come. We want those folks to start bringing their friends and expanding their network and bringing more people to our our events. So if Scott met Ethan for the first time last year at the conference and this in 2020, 
we're hoping now that you've gained that relationship where now you can start opening your networks and maybe connecting with each mm -hmm. other, doing some deal flow between each other. I think that's going to be really interesting. I would like to try and do some, um, I guess, collaboration areas where folks can mm -hmm. um, set some time to connect with each other at a specific area. Um, my long-term goal, I can't do it for 2020, but eventually I want to do when he accepts crypto throughout the entire event, soup to nuts, <laughs> that would be soda. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the biggest pain point I'm having right now is the venue itself because they don't really deal with crypto. Um, but I'm hoping eventually we can do a hundred percent uh, crypto event. You cannot do anything unless you have a blockchain crypto wallet. And, and <laughs> crypto. I'm going to start stashing coin right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that'll be really cool, especially if we can um, mm. uh, incorporate vending machines where people can swipe right. QR codes and purchase drinks. And and the more, I, I what I've noticed from the Novus users is they might know how to send a trend, uh, send coin via entering the wallet and sending it, but I'm actually shocked to see that most of those users have no idea that the QR code is there where they can just scan it and send it, but they're not that nervous about, oh, did I get the right value in there? Right. Or not? So yeah. I think yeah. Um, using that more often in vending machines and other types of things, even charging stations, whatever it is that it might, might, might come up, I think, I think that'll be cool. And I think it'll, be, it'll bring people to that comfort level that needs to exist for them to adopt cryptocurrency. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, mining disrupt 2021. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Uh, another that. thing too is ladies, or or here, this is a suggestion. <laughs> maybe you could give the ladies free tickets. Oh. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so ladies, is... you, you get in free. Dudes, you got to pay. You got to you know use your crypto <laughs> or whatever. But you know, hey, ladies, because I would love to to bring my fiance with me. She would love to come in, but it's just. I can't justify the expense because it's not her business. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, not how yeah. she's she's making a living, uh, but she would love to tag along with me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of dudes in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's fair. I think that there are a lot of groups now that are coming up that we've started working with. So um, women in blockchain is actually one of the more popular mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. Um, there is a strong presence. The few women that are in crypto definitely have a strong presence. Um, I do think that that number needs to increase. It's like a 20 yeah. to one ratio right now. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah it, we did have some women at last year's event. The parties definitely had some some women, but we are looking to to market a little bit more women to see if they come into our events and 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 learn a little bit more. So that, that that's a fair point, and uh, we'll see what we can do with it. Um, so yeah, as we just wrap up here, why don't you just, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about how they can get a hold of you, um, and, uh, and the, the mining disrupt event. Yeah. So feel free to go to miningdisrupt.com to purchase some tickets for the event. Scott's got his, uh, offer code, um, where you can receive discounts. And then as far as our monthly events, feel free to to go to blocktech.network where you can see all the events that we've got coming up. So 
Feel free to reach out to me on Telegram or in our Telegram chat, Mining Disrupt, or my Telegram name, uh, Fernando Block Tech, which you see at the bottom of the screen. Thank you, guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from uh, your listeners. Excellent. Thank you a lot, Fernando. That That's awesome. And thank you again to Nova Block for being our sponsor. Yep. Thanks All right, guys. All right. Take care. All right. See you.